Cottonwood family, how are you? You're here and you're worshiping with us. If you are at home worshiping with us, the only reason you're hearing this is because you listen to the podcast and recording later. We just had our computer go down right before the service, so I'm sorry. Probably only two or three of you will hear this that tried to watch online and listen to the sermon later, but we are out of commission this morning unexpectedly. So the rest of you, God has something for us who made it out of the minus 20 degrees and got your cars jump-started, which I did not get my family's cars jump-started, so they will not be hearing this message either unless they listen online. (laughs) We had two cars that wouldn't start this morning. It's crazy. That's what happens. Minus 20, things start going. Well, we should all be going south, actually, is what should happen. (laughs) Not just things. We should all be going south. (laughs) should just make a plan. Next time it's minus 20, we'll all just move at least six, maybe eight hours south for a month. It's good to be here with you. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, I don't know if I said it, but my name's Pat. I'm a pastor here this morning. And if you're visiting, um, we'd love to say hello to you. If you say hello to us with a text message, we'll say hello back. And if there's any way that we can get connected with you, we'd love to meet you or get connected with you. You can sure reach out to us and we will get back with you. Um, we don't have too many announcements this morning other than we don't have King's Kids in Austin Maros this Sunday, but they'll return next Sunday. Um, and if you're interested, we could use your help with King's Kids. In particular, we need a few teachers, so if you would want to talk to Peter Letman, he can get you, he's right here up front, if you want to look at him, he's got a beard. I don't know if you can tell that he grows pigs for me, but he does that too. So if he, if he looks like a pig farmer, that's him as well. <laughs> no, he's right up front. Would love to have you help out with King's Kids here in the new year. Um, so next Sunday is when our children's ministries on Sunday morning start. And the following Wednesday, so not this Wednesday, one more week off, but the following Wednesday, that, um, January 12th is when our Wednesday night activities um, start up. So we don't have kids' ministries this morning, but I do have, I'm not, sure, not going to call it a sermon, but I do have something to do with the kids. It's a little quiz show with prizes about the We Three Kings. So if you kids, you want to come on up, um, if my little Christmas elf could come help me, she has the prizes, that'd be great. Come on up, take a seat up here. This morning, we're continuing a series called uh, Christmas Songs, and today is We Three Kings, so I thought I'd ask some questions of these kids to see how much our youngest, gen- younger generations have knowledge they have. Come to the middle if you would. That'd be great. Okay. Great. Parents, you can come on up if you want to, too, if you have a younger one that you'd rather be with, three to five-year-old. That'd be great. You can come on up. Okay. So... Anybody get any of these last week? You did? You got some presents? You didn't get any? I heard some no's. You didn't? Well, you're going to get one today if you didn't get any last week. Maybe, if you have some good answers. So today we're going to be looking at this sermon this morning is on We Three Kings. Does anybody know that song? Who? 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 is willing to sing the first part of We Three Kings. You are? Go ahead. We three kings of glory to Saul. Good job, Sawyer. That's awesome. You get a prize for that. Do you, know, do you guys know what happens at the end of the course? It says, oh, 
star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light, right? So I have some lights as prizes. So you get to pick one out. What color would you like, Sawyer? Actually, I'm going to have Marie help with that. Okay, so who, here's the next question, first hand up. Who is the perfect light that the wise men found in a manger? Oh, man, I didn't see. Who was first? Yeah. I didn't even finish the question. In a manger. Okay. I'll go here. Tweets are on a roll. Seth. I mean, <laughs> I said tweet. He said Seth. Jesus is right. Seth is not the perfect light, although he's pretty shiny, too. <laughs> Give him a prize. That was awesome. Okay. Here, this is a little bit tougher. You might want to listen to the whole question before you raise your hand. What city did the wise men go to first? Bethlehem. That was the second city they went to. When they're looking for Jesus, you'll have a chance to redeem yourself. We've got lots of other questions. Does anybody else know what city would they go to first? Jerusalem? It was Jerusalem. That's right. They went to Jerusalem because they thought there's a king going to be born. I should go to the big capital city where kings live. That's not where he was, though, but they met Herod and went on from there. Actually, who did the wise men talk to in Jerusalem? I might have just given that one away. Herod. That's right. I did just give that one away. Good chance. You got to raise your hand. Don't give the answer out first. Raise your hand first. Okay. Couple more questions. Okay, now what city did the wise men go to find the baby? Bethlehem. Yeah, there you go. Bethlehem. That's the city they went to next after they heard the prophecy. Okay, it's a tricky one here. What did the wise men follow in the sky? Okay. Um they followed the brightest star. That's right. They followed a star. That was right. They followed a star or something that looked like a star. Maybe it was a combination of stars and planets. We're not sure. Okay. Now this one, let's see if you know any of these. What was the name of one of the wise men? Do you even know, Adam? Joseph. Joseph was a wise man. But he was not one of the wise men. Mick, do you know one? Um, what did you say again? <laughs> That's what I thought. What is one of the names of the wise men? Doesn't anybody know? Does nobody know? Do you guys know any of the names? Jacob? No. Anybody know? Down here? Do you know one of the names? You do? Okay. Lars. Lars. Could have been Lars or Jacob or Joseph. Actually, we don't know. There's a tradition that says the wise men's names were Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. That's just a tradition. We have no idea, really, what their names actually were. So I got all of you guys. Nobody knows is the right answer to that question. What was the name of the star? Does anybody know that, which star it was? The Christmas star. The Christmas star. I'm going to give you a prize for that, but we really don't know anything other than that it rose. We don't know for sure if it was a star that was natural or if it was some kind of supernatural occurrence. There's theories. You can actually look back and see all the star maps all the way back to that time, around time Jesus was born. 
with lots of fancy math, they figure that out, but we don't actually know for sure. Okay, tricky one, really tricky one. How many wise men were there? Oh man. Three. Three is what we sing about, but we'd, I'll give you one for that. Anybody else want to guess? It's actually not. Who, would, who hasn't guessed already that wants to try? You want to try over here, Jake? Four. Four, we'll give you one for that. <laughs> it could be three, four, five, six, seven. You know what, all we know for sure is there were at least two, because it was magi, plural. We don't actually know. The reason why we say three is because there's three different gifts that were mentioned, but we don't really know. You guys have all been really good sports, allowing me to trick you with trick questions. So I'm going to pray for the service. We, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the wise men this morning and what we do know and what we don't know, and more importantly, what their presence means for us and how we can respond to Jesus. So let's bow our heads and pray. And if you got a gift from my lovely assistant, you can head right back to your chair. If you didn't get a gift, stop by my lovely assistant, and you'll get one before you go back to your chair. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thanks for being good to us. Thanks for your presence in our lives. Uh, thanks for giving us yourself as the perfect light. Pray this morning that you would speak to us, lead us to a deeper understanding of who you are, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So head back to your chair or stop by Marie and she'll help you get a gift. About 20 years ago, it was the fall, and I started dating Andrea, who would become my wife. And about a couple of months after we started dating, it was her birthday. And I was kind of a planner, so I was thinking ahead to what could I give her for her birthday? Something that she would appreciate, something that would be meaningful, something that would be something I could afford and something that might communicate an appropriate amount of uh, appreciation and uh, commitment to her at that point in our dating relationship. And I decided to give her ice skates. I went and bought a pair of ice skates. The reason why I am particularly, this, this gift giving experience is memorable, is because it really was, I felt like, just the right gift for the occasion, and here's why. First of all, she didn't have any ice skates, so that's right, that's good, right? Something that she needs, that's a good thing to understand or would want. Maybe she would, could have had ice skates that she would have wanted to replace somehow. So she, she wanted them, or would enjoy them. It was also significant because it's something that not only that she could enjoy, but actually we could do it together. 
It was the beginning of the winter. November 15th is her birthday, and um, we could go ice skating for something to do. So that was part of why it was special. There's also, I won't get into it, but there was really a special meaning. And this is really where a really good gift is that there's a special significance that might be between you and that person. There's this funny family story about ice skates. I won't tell it this morning, but this is sort of like a redemptive experience for that funny story. And last of all, like I mentioned, I could actually afford it. I I didn't have much money in those days, so that I could afford a pair of ice skates. Probably couldn't afford much more than that. Have you ever had an experience like that? That you, you got to give someone a gift that because of some special circumstance or maybe you just picked up on some things that they mentioned or hints that they dropped that something would be really important or special to them or you just really were keyed in on what somebody's interested in and you were able to because of the time and the occasion and maybe you were able to have the finances to give that or maybe... Do you have a memory of receiving a gift like that where you can think of, they just really understood me and knew what I would enjoy, and you have a gift like that. Sometimes you can think about those experiences over Christmas. Well, for me, that occasion with Andrea, we went out to a nice restaurant, I gave her the gift. She was surprised, big smile on her face. We're able, I can't, we didn't go ice skating that night because we don't think there was ice ready to go out there. But I remember walking home. It was dark, of course, because it's always dark here in the winter. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember thinking something like, I, this, this was just a great experience. It was, it was as if the stars aligned. And I was able to give just the right gift on the right occasion which is what we're talking about this morning in this hymn, We Three Kings, in this Christmas songs message, when the stars aligned, which may be a part of where we get that figure of speech, where the stars aligned just right for some people to give a gift that were just right for the occasion of Jesus' birth. And we're continuing this Christmas songs. You're going to learn this morning what I learned in studying this hymn. Again, this actually, although we sing it at Christmas, is a hymn that signifies something else. It celebrates something else in Christmas. But let's look first at the scripture. I'm going to read a few selections of the scriptures that inspired this hymn, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the history of it and the significance of it. The, the, the very familiar passage is in Matthew 2. You want to know where the Christmas stories are, just remember the number two, Matthew 2 and Luke 2. That's where the two main chunks of Scripture that contain most of those familiar script, those stories are. Here's what Matthew 2, 1 through 11, I'm going to skip a few of the verses. We won't go through all of them, but I'll read 1 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. They're called magi or wise men, various translations saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. Herod summoned the wise men. They talk about the prophecy of Bethlehem and all that in between these verses. But now in verse 7 it says, Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. 
And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. I love that description, by the way. It wasn't, doesn't just say that they, they were filled with joy. They were overwhelmed with joy. That's really interesting. This was really important to them. Entering the house, I think, by the way, just think about overwhelmed with joy. It's a great description. Have you, do you have any of these like videos that you have of one of your kids, or maybe when you were a kid, a video of somebody opening a present, and then they see it, and they lose it in their joy? Just think about that next time you read this. Overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's a lot that could be said about the star. I'm not going to get into that this morning. Some other time, perhaps. could talk about Herod and his response. There's lots of elements to this story I won't touch on. What I'm going to focus on this morning is the inspiration for this carol, this hymn we sing, We Three Kings, or also known as We Three Kings of Orientar, which emphasizes... Each verse, we'll sing it at the end of the service, it emphasizes several of the verses on the gifts of the Magi, and all of the verses really point to the purpose behind the Magi's journey and their gifts. And that is what we're going to focus on this morning. We Three Kings is one of the very few Christmas carols that we know two things for sure about it. Who wrote the lyrics? And who wrote the music? And it's the same person. It's one of the few carols we actually have very specific understanding. His name is John Hopkins. He went to law school. He went to seminary in the Episcopal Church. He never married, but he really loved children, especially his nieces and nephews. And this song celebrates what is known in liturgical Christian traditions as epiphany. Epiphany is... This is some lessons that I learned as I studied this. Epiphany is 12 days after Christmas. 12 days, did you get it? The 12 days of Christmas, that's the 12 days. From Christmas to Epiphany. That's interesting. In in other times in the past, Epiphany was actually celebrated not maybe as significantly as Christmas, but kind of close to as significantly. The Epiphany tradition... One of the epiphany traditions is actually, which is why we sing the song, 12 Days of Christmas, is to put gifts into the Christmas tree, probably why we put ornaments on the tree now, put gifts into the Christmas tree, and the kids have to wait until epiphany. Kids, you would have had to wait till this week, Thursday, to open all your gifts hidden in the tree. So hard. But that's significant, right? Because what Epiphany is really celebrating is the arrival of the wise men who bought, brought the first gifts. Probably why we give gifts, right? This really interesting tradition. Epiphany is that tradition probably connected to gifts. The 12 days, it celebrates the arrival of the Magi because we, d- we don't know when the Magi arrived, but we know that they arrived after Jesus' birth. And probably not like how all the movies include it, which they kind of have to to make it a decent movie, about Jesus' birth is that everyone has to arrive right near the climax, which is when Jesus is born. 
but it was probably days, weeks, or maybe even months after Jesus was born. You know that Mary and Joseph weren't from Bethlehem. They were there visiting. But you don't travel with a newborn baby in those days until you're ready to. <laughs> so they were probably there for a while. I don't know if, how long it takes you to decide to travel, like, say, as far as Minneapolis with a newborn baby, but it would have taken Mary and Joseph a little while to figure out before they would go home. And the Magi, all we know, and that's the first, first verse of Matthew 2, is that it was after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and they don't know exactly how long after. While most people don't celebrate Epiphany much anymore, even if they do recognize it as part of the church liturgical church calendar, John Hopkins wrote this song, We Three, and Ge- we Three Kings, in part as a gift. He, did, he wanted to give his nieces and nephews something really special for Epiphany. So he wrote this song in 1857. It was performed as a part of a church service, um, or maybe it was like a special uh, like nativity, Epiphany-type performance. I can't remember exactly. But this song is instructive and beautiful. It is written in a minor key, certainly on purpose, because that's part of what gives it the oriental. And when I say oriental, we're really talking about Middle Eastern oriental, not like Far East Asian oriental feel. Uh, These three wise men were almost certainly from Persia, which is modern-day Iran. We don't know that absolutely for sure, but very likely that's where they came from. And even the 6-8 time, which if you're not musical, you won't know that term, but whenever you sing a song and you feel like you could go like this back and forth, it's either in 3 or 6-8. And so, we three kings of Orient are. It sort of has the feel of a camel caravan walking. You can almost imagine, which is definitely how these wise men would have traveled across the desert if they came from Persia, is in a camel caravan. So it's really interesting that the author of this song put a lot of thought into it. The lyrics as well are not just haphazardly written. They provide a really helpful lesson in the Magi's purpose, in their focus, and in the meaning behind the gifts. And that's what we're going to look at briefly this morning. There's five verses that we'll cover here quickly. What we're going to look at is we're going to look at what the Magi's, and the, you know, you guys know what an epiphany is? Epiphany is like one of those light bulb moments, like all of a sudden, bing, oh my goodness, I just made all these connections about this truth or this thing or this moment in history. Maybe you just had a 12 days of Christmas epiphany, if you haven't heard that before. I had one. But what the Magi's, it's like a, epiphany maybe is something like, a definition would be like, it, all of a sudden there's a deeper revelation, or something is revealed that you hadn't noticed before. And the Magi's visit does that, which is why that holiday is called Epiphany. They reveal their, their journey and their gifts, reveal some things about Jesus, which we know now, but they didn't know then. So what we're going to look at is the Magi's prophetic epiphanies about Jesus, and more importantly, what our response can be to those epiphanies. Verse 1 of the hymn says this, We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. 
And then the refrain, which I won't repeat every time, says, O star of wonder, star of light, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Here's the first epiphany and response in that, in that first verse where it says, We three kings of Orient, which is a long ways away, bearing gifts, we travel afar. Here's the first one. Is that what the, G- the journey of the Magi says to us, and it's really our response to Jesus as well, is that we can f- we're, we're instructed to follow Jesus no matter the cost, just like the Magi did. Uh, it was expensive to travel in those days, and it would have been expensive for them to travel across country, dry desert lands. And these Magi, likely from Persia, modern-day Iran, took, like I said, a camel caravan, which is a pretty slow mode of travel. It takes a long time to do so. It's time-consuming and expensive. These Magi believed for some reason that what they saw in the sky was worth doing that. It'd be like you and I saying, I think what I see in the sky is worth me taking my family by foot from here to Omaha because something important's going to happen based on what I see up there. And if you're walking, you're going to need some extra animals or something to carry all the food and the tents and the clothing and all that stuff. But what they did is God revealed something to them in the sky. And by the way, if you think this is goofy, it's not the first time God does this in the scriptures. There are multiple times in the scriptures where something that he's doing on earth has some sign in the sky with the sun or the moon or the stars. God ties, he's the creator of all the universe. But what these magi decided was that going to see the perfect light of this new Jewish king was worth whatever the cost. He was worth it. And so they went. Jesus said this in Luke 9.23, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Our first response to this epiphany of Jesus is to follow Jesus no matter the cost. Verse 2 goes on to say this, Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, and here's the first gift, Gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. That first gift of gold, and our response to it can be this, is to honor Jesus as the king over all. Gold has historically always been the gift and symbol of kings. You got to have power and wealth to get it. And so it's symbolic of being a king. And honoring Jesus a king as king was controversial for the wise men. Right? We know the story Herod got paranoid. He actually sent people later to go murder every baby boy under two because he didn't know exactly when the Magi saw the star, which is a horrible part of this story. And he was instru- they were instructed to go back to Herod, but they said, no, we're not going to. God sent the- told them in a dream to not obey that king. But after Jesus lived and was crucified and was resurrected and ascended into heaven, It was still controversial to honor Jesus as king. Listen to this in Acts 17. There's some of Jesus' followers named Paul and Silas who are apostles traveling around, and there's another one named Jason who's a believer in Jesus as well mentioned in this passage. Listen to this. These men, speaking of Paul and Silas and maybe others, who have turned the world upside down have come here too, and Jason has welcomed them. They are acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And here's the response. The crowd... And the city officials who heard these things were upset. It has always been controversial to recognize and honor Jesus as king since the day he was born until long after he went into heaven. And it is today too. To honor him as king over all, including 
king over your life, if you don't think it's controversial, have you ever had a struggle with surrendering a part of your life to Jesus? It's because even your own will fights saying Jesus is king over everything, including my life, my heart. Honor Jesus as king over all, and verse 3 says this, Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh, prayer and praising, voices raising, worshiping God on high. Frankincense has always been connected to worship, in the Old Testament in particular. So here's the response that we can have is this, to this epiphany of Jesus, is to worship Jesus as God most high. Frankincense as a gift recognizes the deity of Christ is, is, is the symbolism that this verse is saying, and I think it's an accurate one, obviously, of who he really was. Frankincense has been and is still used in some places in worship expressions. It's designed to honor to God, to give a pleasing aroma. It's part of the Hebrew worship direction in the Old Testament. Just do a word search of frankincense, and you'll see all kinds of verses throughout all of the Old Testament mentioned. Here's the very last one that I found mentioned in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 17. It says, Then the people will come, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and frankincense to the house of the Lord. It's symbolic in the Old and New Testaments also of prayer. Just like when you burn incense, frankincense is a specific kind of incense that you might sprinkle on some coals. What will happen is a fragrant aroma will rise up. And in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that is symbolic of prayers. In Psalm 141, verse 2, the psalmist says this, May my prayer be set before you as incense, as a fragrant offering rising up to God. And you can read this in Revelation 5.8, connected to incense. Golden bowls are filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation says our prayers are incense, in a, in symbol, symbolically in a gold bowl. And so the third response we can make to Jesus is to worship him as the God most high. The fourth verse of We Three Kings has been that verse since I was a little boy that always threw me for a loop when we sang it for Christmas. I don't know if it threw you, throws you for a loop. This is the fourth verse. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. Merry Christmas. That's why it always, it honestly kind of made me laugh a little bit. Like, why are we singing this at Christmas and then let's sing Joy to the World next and well, you can see the significance. The author put a lot of thought into that. Myrrh is a perf- it's like an ointment, a perfume. It's very strong. For a reason, it would often be used in burial. So if, you, if someone passed away, you know there, there's a phrase called the smell of death. Let me tell you, the smell of death is really gross. Uh, we have had animals die. Actually, I just had a chicken die the other day. Thankfully, it was cold enough that I did not experience the smell of death <laughs> because it died and it was very cold. But in the summer when they die, and if I don't see it <clears throat> and I find it later, it smells really bad. And so myrrh was used in burial uh, practices. And I believe that what the Magi's gift here, and I don't know, I don't know for sure, we don't know for sure 
All we know is that the Magi gave these gifts. Did God inspire them to give them for some prophetic reason? We don't know that. But what we do know is that the gifts did symbolize a prophetic role that Jesus would play in all of them. Myrrh I give, it's bitter perfume. And the fourth response we can give to Jesus, because what this verse talks about is that he would die for us, that he would be our sacrificial substitute, that instead of us dying for our sins, Jesus died so we wouldn't have to. He took our place. Is that we can accept Jesus as our sacrificial substitute. That's what Myrrh talks about, that, he's gonna, that he died. And that's the fourth response that we can have to Jesus. And here's the fifth one in verse 5. Glorious now, behold him arise. He's risen. King and God in sacrifice. There's that connection to the sacrificial substitute. Alleluia, alleluia sounds through the earth and skies. Actually, we use the word hallelujah in one of the songs we just sung this morning. Hallelujah is the, the old King James version of hallelujah is what's in this verse. Alleluia just shortens it, makes it more English sounding and looking. One of the most amazing, profound musical experiences of my life was getting to perform the entire Handel's Messiah with a full choir and orchestra. I got to sing the Hallelujah Chorus more than once in a choir, but even now, which I did this week, when I watch a really good performance, actually it doesn't have to be really good, when I watch a halfway decent performance, or better, of Handel's Messiah, I will get goosebumps on my arms, and I will literally get chills, and usually I'll have tears come to my eyes. Because when I had the chance to sing it with a full-voiced choir and accompanied by instrumentation, it was an incredibly moving experience. Hallelujah, the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah you probably know, or if you don't, is that the tradition is, is that when the the, the performance is pretty long, the whole Messiah. But tradition is when you come to the Hallelujah Chorus, everyone stands up. And that's actually, even, I'm, think, I'm getting like goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Everyone stands up. Do you guys know what Hallelujah means? It means praise be to Yahweh. It means praise God. It's a shortened verse. Hallel is the Hebrew word for praise. Yah at the end is a shortened verse of Yahweh. And what we're really singing is praise be to the one true God. And I love that the tradition, no matter the circumstances, for everyone to stand as sort of a physical expression of giving praise to God. Here's the third response that we can have to this epiphany that Jesus is the resurrected Lord, is that we can behold Jesus as the resurrected Lord. Really Hold him in our hearts. Like, see him for who he really is. He is the one who's risen from the grave, and he is Lord of all. Part of Hallelujah Chorus goes like this. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That comes from Revelation. And at the end of time, when Jesus has come back, and we are all with him, and described as a great, huge party, biblical languages the wedding feast or a banquet, but just think of it as an awesome wedding party 
that's going to be the only thing that makes any sense to say is hallelujah, the Lord God, omnipotent, means all-powerful one, the almighty one, reigns over everything. The refrain of this verse, the song says, O star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, that's why we know that the Magi came from the east because they came west to Jerusalem and if they had come from the east, they would have been coming from the Mediterranean Sea. Still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. The perfect light. Jesus said this while he was on the earth. John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Period. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. When I had this chance to give my wife this gift and the stars aligned just right, and I still have fond memories about it, it really was partly a sweet experience because it was a delight for me to give the gift, and it was a joy for her to receive the gift. And this morning, when we look at the response that Jesus can prompt in us that are signified by each of these verses, there's five responses, and I'll just call them gifts that you could offer to Jesus. And maybe this morning, there's just one that you feel God nudging you toward in a specific way, like this is the one that I want to wholeheartedly give to Jesus. And here they are, to follow Jesus no matter the sacrifice. Maybe there's something that God is asking you to do a way that he's asking you to follow him, and you know that it's going to cost something, and it's going to be hard. Maybe that's the gift you can give this morning. To honor Jesus as king over all. And that's easy to say he's king over the universe. You know what's hard? He's king over my life. He gets to tell me what to do. He gets to show me what's wrong inside me, and I will respond. Maybe that's your, your offering this morning, that you're king over all, including over my heart and soul. Maybe it's to worship Jesus as God most high. Maybe your worship of Jesus has just sort of been turned down a few too many notches and to recognize and worship him for who he really is. Maybe this morning it's to accept Jesus as your sacrificial substitute. You've heard all about Jesus. You've heard how to respond to Jesus, but you've just never said yes to him. I accept your offer. You know, on Christmas Day we give gifts, but we could say, here's a gift for you. But you don't get to open it until you take it. And that's sometimes like this offer that Jesus has is, we know the gift's out there, but we just haven't ever taken it. We've never said yes to him. We've never really put our trust in and said, okay, thank you. And lastly, it's to behold Jesus as the resurrected Lord. He's the one who deserves all the praise. He is the Lord over all. And seeing him for who he really is changes our lives I don't know which one might be the most appropriate gift that you could offer him this morning, but we're going to sing We Three Kings. Band, you can come on up. And maybe as we sing these songs, one of these these verses will prompt you in your heart to offer a gift to Jesus this morning. Why don't you stand and we'll close with this song. Jesus, you really are the gift that we need most. And I appreciate how in writing the story of the world, the story of reality, 
you saw fit to send people from another country to come and be among the first worshipers of Jesus. And that their journey meant something. Why they ended up there meant something. Even the gifts they brought meant something. Lord, we want to give gifts that you deserve, that you're worthy of this morning. And I just pray that you would stir our hearts, help us to see what it might be that you might want us to offer back to you as a gift in response to who you are. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.